Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella, Mumbrella, Mumbrella Cast. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Vivian Kelly. And I'm Tim Burrows. And we're doing things slightly differently this week. Yes, we've embraced the whole working from home vibe that has become so fashionable of late. Uh, we're recording the Mumbrella Cast with a new system where we're all in different places. So do bear with us if it's a little bit bumpy just this week as we get the uh, get the rough edges out of the way. It's, it's just you and I, Viv. It is, Tim. And I can't help but notice that as we decide to join the world in working remotely and doing things online, you've decided to take it to the next level by giving yourself a backdrop of San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge, which is incredibly distracting at a time (laughs) like this. Which will be weird for anyone listening to the audio, but yeah, we're using um, Zoom pretty much for the first time as our our recording package. It's It's weird how sometimes just suddenly... All of the early adopters seem to be talking about something. So I, I recorded a podcast with somebody else the other day using the, the same uh, the same thing, the Mark the Mark Pollard Sweathead podcast. Which, if for some weird reason you want more of me in your life, do feel free to take a listen to. Um, which, I, although I'm not sure actually, he's, he's he's posted that one yet. And chatting to a couple of other podcasters, they they they've been using uh, Zoom to capture. Uh, capture conversations when people are in different places so that's what we also are experimenting with now that we are and and uh, to go back to your original point as we were hooking up there was a background option which I, I pressed and lo and, press, lo and behold to uh, to Vivian and to, to Zoe who's uh, doing the production for us but not necessarily speaking uh, they can just see me weirdly hovering over the Golden Gate Bridge and now I don't know how to turn it off so for the next 30 minutes or so you'll just have to picture that's what Vivian is seeing Yes, Tim. So all things going to plan in this week's episode, we will be talking about how COVID-19 has hit Mumbrella and what that means for our business. Nine drops its profit guidance. And the government's COVID-19 education campaign. So Tim, why don't we kick off with uh, what's happening with Mumbrella because all businesses in media marketing and advertising will be hit in different ways by the short-term and long-term effects of COVID-19, but we're definitely not immune from that with um, a lot of our revenue and a lot of our connection with our community coming from events, which obviously can't happen at the moment and, and we don't know yet when they can happen again. So why don't you tell anyone, in case they're not yet familiar, what we've decided this week and what we've announced to the market this week. Yeah, so we're, um, we, we, we are more than 50% an events business. And one of the things that really struck me is just how quickly all of this came. So I, I wrote a piece for Mumbrella, which, which went up last night as we were recording this, just explaining why we're basically postponing everything we, we were planning to do for the next, uh, the next six months. And as I was writing it, it just struck me how quickly this came on. You know, the the first time I, I went into my sent emails in my uh, in my inbox, or I guess that would be outbox, and searched for me using the word COVID or coronavirus. The first time was only was just under three weeks ago. 
you know, that's how quickly it's sort of come to dominate, certainly my working life. I'm sure everybody else's as well. And that was, um, I was in London at the time for the ISBA conference, the Incorporated Society of British Advertisers. Um, and there was a bit of banter going around in the audience because uh, OMD had been forced to shut their office that day because a, a staffer had visited Australia and come back with a bit of uh, flu-like symptoms on the way back. So they feared that maybe even in Australia on the way back, he perhaps contracted uh, the virus. Today he hadn't, but they, they shut the office and told Omnicom staff they couldn't come to the conference. So all of a sudden it was a little bit real. And just listening to conversations in the room, I could, you know, I could hear sponsors of events talking about could they cancel their contracts, that sort of thing. So um, it started to feel like maybe maybe this could just become a thing for Australia as well. It's interesting that that happened so quickly because you mentioned that people were sort of bantering about COVID-19 and already making jokes about it feels like it's un-PC and that's unfolded in three weeks where we've gone from bantering about it to suddenly thinking, you know, should we close schools, should we lock down, should we shut down? So with the situation moving so quickly, uh, how did you feel about sort of having to plan for the future when, as you say, so much change in three weeks, how can you possibly plan what's going to happen six months from now? Yeah, this is the very strange thing. And it is, and it's how we, how we all talked about it. You know, I remember just three weeks ago, I was just very much, oh, I just want to get it, catch it, get it over and done with. Let's have a chicken pox party and just all give it to ourselves. And then, of course, you start reading about the kind of the, the, the questions of social responsibility suddenly we all became experts on our social obligations to slow the spread so that hospitals aren't overwhelmed for the vulnerable and you start thinking about it in a in a different light it becomes a a responsibility so so you know we uh, you know we we quickly I, i guess the first challenge for us was we had our travel marketing summit which was just a matter of days ago and um, that was in Sydney and we thought the main topic of debate there was going to be how can the travel industry back bounce back from the disasters of the bushfire season and what that had done for Australia's reputation as a holiday destination and that that seemed bad enough at the time and even on the day of the travel marketing summit which feels like it was months ago, but it was only just over a week ago. Um, even on the day, people were still sort of joking a bit. We were providing lots of hand sanitizer, and we'd asked the the venue that uh, uh, pe- people wouldn't help themselves to their sort of buffet meal. They get served just little things like that. Um, and there was some awkward bumping of elbows rather than handshakes, but there was also plenty of of real handshakes. The the, the mood in the room. I mean, tell me, I mean, you, you, you were there as well, obviously. It felt to me like that was the day where things actually really began to change. You know, so, certainly that was the day that by the evening I was, you know, I said to one of my colleagues, I think we've just run our last event for a while. Yeah, it was strange because in the face of such unprecedented disaster and change, it was actually a really galvanising an uplifting day where the travel marketing industry and its associated agencies and brands came together and really looked for solutions and ideas and inspiration without looking to capitalise on tragedy. 
But as the day unfolded, and it was only Thursday last week, it was Thursday the 12th, and as we record this, it's Thursday the 19th, you know, nobody afterwards sort of kicked on for a big night and went out for espresso martinis to celebrate a job well done. Which is normally what we do when we're at the Four Seasons. It is, it is. and They they do a good espresso martini. (laughs) And it really felt like, oh, instead of this being the beginning of Mumbrella's event season where we're sort of running a huge conference or education day or awards night every couple of weeks, it was like, oh, this, this might have to be it because everything just escalated, everything changed and we were meant to have the Mumbrella Automotive Marketing Summit down in Melbourne on the Tuesday and, as you say, as things started cascading and the Grand Prix was called off and there were travel bans for media companies and speakers and delegates and sponsors, Suddenly, it just didn't look like we could keep plugging along with business as usual. So I guess it might be worth um, spelling out for those who are actually interested what we have decided to do. So I'll I'll quickly run through our events. Um, So ComsCon, which is our big PR conference for the public relations industry, um, that would have been in early April. So that was a conference and awards. So the conference is postponed. Um, we're basically talking about post- postponing everything for at least six months. At the moment, we're aiming to run as much as we can in the final quarter of this year, but so much of that depends on on, on what happens over the next few months. But anyway, we've we've made the call to postpone ComsCon, which is heartbreaking because it's such a good program. Um, we've already judged the awards for ComsCon, though, and it doesn't seem fair to ask everyone to wait until maybe november to find out whether they've won so we're we're looking into uh, opportunities as in as is everyone in the industry for video streaming opportunities so i i think we'll have some sort of video streaming awards for comscon and you could do it with your fantastic san francisco backdrop tim because let me tell you it's a sight to be seen so i think people could tune in for that it is. Well, look, if um, as Viv and I are, are chatting, Zoe, if you could perhaps be kind enough to grab a screenshot, then maybe I'll tweet it when we uh, when we make the podcast live, so that people can see us in in in, mm. in, in all of our in all of our domestic glory. <laughs> <laughs> With um, it's worth saying where we are. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Neutral Bay in Sydney, um, Viv, and uh, you're you're a little nearer the beach. Yes, I'm in Tamarama in Sydney's eastern suburbs. So there's not a lot of people out and about in the east at the moment. Uh, So for my lunch break, I quickly kept my distance from everybody but popped down for a quick swim. So when Zoe takes this screenshot, it's going to be very salty and and sandy and beach hair. Uh, So, look, it's, it's not a bad spot to be while, you know, socially distancing. And Zoe, I'll just give you a warning to unmute yourself um, uh, if you're uh, capable of doing so. Um, where where are you in Australia right now? I am in Waterloo in the, I guess it's the eastern suburbs, yeah. <laughs> we are all in Sydney at the moment. And I must admit, my, my major dilemma, and I, I, this is becoming a rambling podcast, which I yeah. did warn you about, I apologise anyway, is whether to try to get to my shack in Tasmania before the midnight Friday deadline, which involves 14 days of self-isolation, 
because uh, Tasmania has just changed its rules for interstate travel. So I've got to figure that one out before tomorrow. Although generally when I stay in Tasmania, it basically does involve splendid self-isolation anyway. So I might, I might not even notice the difference. But for now, we're all, uh, we're all in Sydney. Anyway, I was saying, so Comscon, um, Comscon Awards, we, we're going to figure out a way of, if you're, if you're shortlisted, we're going to figure out a way of telling you and trying to do it in some sort of exciting way with a, a moment of live drama. So um, we're, uh, we're working out on that one. And then um, we'll also try and figure out a way of giving you your trophy in some sort of uh, uh, maybe scaled back ceremony later in the year as well. So you actually do get to celebrate properly. So we'll, we'll, we'll say more on that. Um, we were running a um, our next Digital Essentials course, which was going to be the... Uh, a couple of um, training workshops we're running in Sydney and Melbourne. So, uh, again, those uh, postponed to later in the year. Another one I'm really sad about, Audioland. Um, I'm so sad about Audioland. I was, look, it's no secret to anyone uh, listening to this that I'm a huge audio and, and radio fan and it was such a good program and I was so looking forward to it in May in Sydney. But... Obviously, we can't do it, but it's the one that I think has probably hit me the hardest that we're not going to be able to run for quite some time. Yeah, look, and there, there was some really great stuff already announced. Um, there was something else we hadn't announced yet, and I was going to be moderating a panel with, a, I guess, a broadcasting hero of mine. So, uh, I, uh, look, hopefully all of it stays in the program. Uh, that's what we're working on. You know, all of these things where we've announced programs are about, everything that's still relevant we still have the conversation later in the year so so we're still working on on on, on that one as well um as well as audio land the, the other big one for us uh mumbrella 360 which readers of the australian uh, on monday will have read uh mark ritson the uh, marketing professor predicts that if mumbrella got to run mumbrella 360 as normal in june he would present naked from the stage um Viv, how do you how do you feel about that prospect for one thing? Look, I like to think that there is an alternative universe out there in which the world got the coronavirus under control, protected the vulnerable, flattened the curve, stopped the spread, and Mark Ritson had to face up to that bold claim he made because he made it from the safety of absolutely knowing that we would have to <laughs> postpone this event. But in one also, of them, I'm, I'm not sure that the sight of the naked Ritson would be protecting the vulnerable. <laughs> well, I, I just like to think that there there is a world out there in which his hand is forced for making such an outrageous claim. And I think there's an alternative universe out there where he had to do a big back down, which would have been spectacular to watch. And then another one where he had to present naked on stage, which might have been less spectacular to watch, but a lesson in making claims like that. But well, we, it's something which I'm hopeful we may be able to discuss with him this time next week. We're we're working on trying trying to line him up for next week's Mumbrella cast in late breaking news. So uh, so we might get to explore that one uh, next week. But he was right. We are postponing Mumbrella three sixty first time we've had to do that since we launched it in 2011 um so again we're, we're 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 working on dates for that one again for the whole team had worked on that and for the the number of people who put in some great submission ideas the many many sponsors had already signed up you know that 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 one 
like, again, really disappointing. But you know, there's there's not anyone we talk to who doesn't understand why we're doing it. Um, and I suppose actually one of the you know one of the uh, the things that has occurred to me is I've um I've, one of the tough things has been it takes a while to be able to actually talk about what your plans are. And it felt like forever to me because you know there was a gap where people were asking us the question with it and we weren't really, really able to quite answer it. It's difficult because everyone gets in touch about a different event. You know, you've got somebody who's coming to Audio Land who wants to know if Audio Land's on, and then you've got a sponsor of Mumbrella 360 who's wondering what's happening with that. And then you've got somebody who's thinking of entering the Mumbrella Awards who doesn't know if they're going to be on and so what that means for deadlines and whatnot. But we sort of can't answer one question without answering all of them because you push one event back and you've got to push them all back and it has implications for planning and resourcing and attendance and sponsors and everything. Not to mention that as the entire Australian events industry pushes things back, October, November is just going to be provided everything works out and we get this under control. People are going to, could face the prospect of having an event every single day in the calendar and squeezing it in and, and getting that locked in as, as venues, including Sydney's Hilton Hotel, where we have Mumbrella 360 each year. They're not just dealing with us and our inquiries about Mumbrella 360. They're trying to reschedule and reorganise their entire year. So that's why, unfortunately, even though we had some answers, because we didn't have all the answers, it was difficult to communicate our plan as soon as we wanted to because there's so many stakeholders and so many people who factor into this decision. And so when we're looking at changing our entire way of operating and pushing things back for six months, it's a huge task. Yeah, look, and I suppose the, you know, you know the, those external stakeholders and i i suppose the other thing which maybe people don't think about when they say what why can't you just get going again in july is you know our business model is we we obviously sell tickets for these events we we, we, we have the support for sponsors you need time ahead of the event to actually sell those things so it's you know it, even if we assume a you know a, a positive situation where you know, lock-ins gradually fall away and the social distancing we, we don't need to do. It's not as if we can just then immediately run the event the following week, which is why we're saying the final, you know, the final quarter. And the other point to make is we're very lucky, you know, from Umbrella because we have got digital products as well. We've got other things we can do with our business model. Whereas for people who are event pure event companies, they've got I mean, everyone's going to have a tough year, but they're going to have a really tough year. And so I think we've made it to 360, which is yes, postponed. Let me, yes, let me move on to the so the Summit Series, postponed. So that's the Umbrella Sports Marketing Summit was going to be on July the 2nd. The Finance Marketing Summit was going to be on July the 23rd. Uh, I don't think we'd even announced the dates of the R. Sydney Automotive Marketing Summit and the Health Marketing Summit in Sydney, um, let alone the B2B Marketing Summit and the Retail Marketing Summit, all postponed. Um, now, being realistic, there's a lot of summits there. I don't think we're going to get all of them in at the end of the year. We'll get in as many as we can, but that's part of the plan we're making at the moment. Um, so um, lot, lot, lots of things to untangle there. Another big one on our calendar is the Mumbrella Awards. Usually a thousand people. The last few years it's been at the, the Star Event 
centre in, in Piermont. It's going to be a long time before we bring a thousand people from this industry back together again, I think. So um, we've already launched our call for entries for the awards. So the call for entries will stay live. We're going to move the closing date right back to June the 30th. So the full financial year and the period that the work covers will, I think, end up extended something like 15 months rather than 12 months. So we'll, um, we'll, 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 we'll make that change on when entries are valid for. And then as well, there's the Publish Conference and Awards, which is something that we do for the publishing industry. Now, when we're looking at the calendar, I think one of the really tough decisions uh, we've had to make is that we just can't run the Publish Conference this year, but we are sticking with the awards? That's the plan. We're going to do our very best to deliver the Publish Awards, which, um, you know, something which is, is, I guess, of all of the awards that we're especially fond of, this this is one that we, we get a little bit sentimental about because, um, you know, we, we effectively took on the, the Publish Awards from what used to be the excellence awards from uh the the uh publishers australia um which when that organization got into trouble we sort of you know kind of helped out um so it used to be that we used to be entrants for the awards um some of the best nights in umbrella's history were had there so we're very fond of the publisher awards and we'll find a way of doing them um whenever it is um but yeah the the the, the conference will cancel for this year and we'll let the market tell us whether whether there is still a gap for a publishing conference um come 2021 all right so with all that in mind we should probably um move the conversation along so we're not only yes, let's stop talking about ourselves shall <laughs> talking we? about ourselves um this obviously hasn't just hit mumbrella we're acutely aware of that so another company that it has hit this week is nine which isn't just the TV network, it's also the former Fairfax print assets, it's Stan, the streaming service, it's Domain, the real estate listings and content company. It's many, many things. And today, Tim, uh, as we record on Thursday, it's withdrawn its profit guidance from the Australian Securities Exchange because the ad market is increasingly difficult to reliably predict. So that's their words. What does what does this mean? Why would you withdraw a guidance that you've given? Yeah, look, I mean, what you're saying is we don't think we're going to hit the number anymore, you know, the number we promised the market. Um, I see just, you know, in the last few hours as we've been recording, you know, nine share price has, has dropped by just over 10, 9%, nearly 10%. So it's actually the lowest share price for nine in the history of the company, even before the merger with Fairfax, that hit that landmark today. So, you know, that's since the since the company kind of li- you know listed on the ASX back in 2013 after being saved from insolvency. So, hey, look, it's still a 1.6 billion dollar company as we speak, but when we were chatting a couple of weeks ago, it was a two billion dollar company. Um, you know, and it, it kind of, if, if, if you look back at its share price, share price is 93 cents as we speak, possibly even lower by the time people listen to this. You know, at the peak back in, in July, it was $2.55. So, you know, it's, it's a third of the value of it was. And of course, 
nine a better place than most to weather this that's the other thing about um about the situation is it just happens that one that nine has been one of the earlier ones to go to the market and um and and explain what's happening uh you know we saw i think was it was it o media this week also said that they were yes. they were withdrawing their guidance as well because spending has you know has broadly stopped um but however bad it is for nine it's worse for seven i'm actually just looking at their share price wow literally over the last couple of hours, um, Seven's share price has dropped by 27%. And they're not, as we record, they haven't yet made a similar announcement, have they? No, I've not seen one, unless it's gone up in the last few minutes since we started recording. Their, yeah, their share price is now 81 cents. Um, No, no, I tell a lie, it's 8.1 cents. I got my decimal... (sighs) I'm, so, I'm very glad you corrected that because that would have been quite quite the error yeah, to put out on the umbrella cast. Look, it, it it would have been. So again, there by some way the share price is now at the lowest in the company's history. Their market capitalization is $125 million. You know, this is and the Seven West Media isn't just the TV network, obviously, it's Pacific magazines, although obviously they're trying to you know, trying to sell those to Bauer. Um, they've, they've, they've got the publishing interests out in West Australia as well. Um, you know, it, with, with the debt pile that Seven West Media has got, um, if I remember rightly, there are some banking covenants around what the share price has to be um, around their loans, which I, I wonder what the share price means for that. So, so everyone's in desperate trouble um and it's it's a shame uh i mean look this whole thing is a shame for everybody but seven did have a bit of a bright spot to look forward to in that media buyers and consumers alike were really going to give its new mini golf reality production holy moly a go it struck such a chord at seven's upfronts late last year and landed so well and i think could have been, you know, the Lego masters of 2020 and could have done really well, but they've had to halt production on that as so many programs have had to. So again, they're facing this financial uncertainty as they also stare down the barrel of programming uncertainty, not to mention that despite reassurances from officials all over the world that the Tokyo 2020 games are going ahead, Seven is meant to broadcast the Tokyo games and Things change very quickly. You know, as we record, they're still saying they're on, but July is a long way away, really, when everything changes by the hour, by the second. Yeah, look, I I watched a live stream of the Australian Olympic Committee press conference from earlier today as we're recording, and they were still insisting that it was on. The, the, The phrase, and it was obviously some sort of agreed phrase, they kept saying was, you know, the athletes will all be in a... Uh, corona-free environment, almost as if they're all planning on on putting the entire sporting world into some sort of quarantine bubble for mm. months to come through to July. Um, now, of course, a bit of a twist for seven because I think when we when we would be talking in the office, we're like, 
what a disaster this will be for Seven if the Olympics doesn't come along because they've they've talked about it so much, there are sponsors attached. But I did get an interesting perspective in the last few days from someone else in the industry who made made the point that if it doesn't happen, then Seven may get their money back. And, and in this environment and they paid a lot for it in this environment they're not going to be able to monetize what they paid in terms of the level of sponsorship they bring through. So I, I don't think anyone at seven would be claiming this, but I, I, I wonder if there are some actually keeping their fingers crossed that the, the Olympics does get, and again, I don't know what their obligations would be if they postponed rather than canceled, but that may actually be the saving of, of seven's finances at least in 2020, if that's what happens. Well, I guess all we can do is is wait and see. Oh, I've just got a little notification on my screen, which was a little bit distracting. First, first technical issue of the uh, of the podcast, but we'll um, we'll battle on anyway. I've also had my mum trying to ring me three times throughout this podcasts so. there, there are lots of there are lots of little um issues to kind of iron out with this working from home aren't there I, <laughs> I i i having left the door of the room i'm recording this in open i have been expecting a visit from one or other of the cats but that hasn't happened just yet so so that's I would something love to, to look forward to an image of the cat somehow walking along the golden cape bridge behind you tim if you could make that happen that would be quality content i think i might lack the technology um <laughs> For that one but yes no i have joined in in our early video conferencing i have enjoyed the sight of your 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 mother coming in and out at various moments so <laughs> it kind of makes it sound like you still live live with your parents doesn't yeah it? i was just going to say to clarify i i don't but uh after telling my mum not to come over because she's over 60 and i have a bit of a cough at the moment she did the exact opposite of that and showed up at my door to work from my house today uh, so I banished her to the balcony. Uh, then after a while, she went down to Tamarama Beach for a swim. But then when I was on my video call with you, Tim, she decided to come back in her swimmers. Um, and I was trying to protect that from becoming a part of our video call. So she then hid behind a towel as she snuck into my bathroom and then tried to sneak back out while we were still on the call. And it's only, you know, the first week of working from home. So who knows what else we have in mm. store. I'll be happy to send you the screenshot later. <laughs> oh, look, um, so anyway, look, this, this, this is, um, you know, I guess we're still processing things ourselves really, aren't we? So it is a more rambling podcast <laughs> than usual. Um, other stuff we should talk about, I guess it's all, it's all COVID related in some way really, isn't it? Yes. So the other thing that uh, we had on the agenda to talk about was uh, the government's COVID-19 education campaign. So last week there was an announcement that there would be a $30 million education campaign for the general public about COVID-19. The assets for that finally became available over the weekend, just gone. Uh, and look, the government has been criticised for being too slow to act on this, which has caused a lot of confusion and anxiety in the population, which could perhaps be contributing to some of the more frustrating consumer behaviours we're seeing, such as hoarding and people treating supermarket staff terribly and collecting toilet paper as a sport. Uh, but the campaign has come out and it's sort of a $30 million campaign that's animated and about washing your hands. I'm not sure that I actually feel 
a lot more comfort from this campaign or educated by it. Um, what do you think, Tim? Well, look, I, I suppose one of the challenges is, is I, I guess everybody is at a different level of understanding of what's going on and, and where do you try and get it across? You know, I, I was, was chatting to somebody about the, the concept of flattening the curve, which, um, you know, is something we as a team have talked about, this idea that the, the single biggest contribution everybody can make is delaying when they, they get this and uh, working on the assumption that they might just have it and not know about it, reducing the likelihood of passing it on to other people so that when the illnesses peak, the hospital system can cope for vulnerable people, um, which is where this idea of flatten cur- the curve, the, the bit of the curve that's above the levels that um, the, the health system can cope with um, is, is as small as possible. So that concept has, has become clear to people. You know, I, I mean, I must admit, I think it would only have been Friday of last week that my mind was changed and that was why it was important to try to self-isolate rather than just get it over and done with and carry on with life as normal. Um, but, yeah, you know, chatting about that yesterday, you know, someone was saying, well, you know, shouldn't Scott Morrison be saying more about that in his press conferences? And, you know, I made the point, I've seen photos of him holding up pictures of the curve. So it's not like it's not one of the messages, but that is the challenge is how do you, how do you deal with complex messages? And whose job is it? Is it the prime minister or is it um, Australia's chief medical officer? I think, Part of the problem here is we've just been through another crisis with the bushfires and whilst I wasn't at risk of death from the bushfires in the same way that I'm not a key risk group with COVID-19, I felt so informed every day because it felt like the here in Sydney the New South Wales uh, Rural Fire Service Chief, uh, Shane, was fronting up to the media all the time with really clear messages, really clear updates about where we're at, what we're prioritising, what people can do to help, what damage was done. We had a clear leader, a clear person to turn to and somebody that everybody was just getting around. At the moment, you know, there's the, the Prime Minister and then there's the Chief Medical Officer, Brendan Murphy, there's messages coming from the World Health Organization, Twitter's going bananas, the media's going bananas. I do think we don't have someone who people have all gotten behind and decided this is our source of truth at this time. Yeah, look, and that's a really challenging point, isn't it? Because this is where politics meets good health policy. Um, and and the, the job of the chief medical officer is obviously to give really, really good definitive advice to the politicians who finally have to make the decision, but also to, but also to communicate as well. So um, the challenge must be when the official policy doesn't yet represent the advice they've given. So I kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I was fascinated to watch the uh, the interview on Insiders on Sunday morning when um, it was the Health Minister Greg Hunt and the Chief Medical Officer side by side and David Spears 
in the nicest possible way just filleted them because there were so many differences you know and just made the point um handshakes what's what, what's the case some people are saying handshakes some people don't when you walked in the studio you shook everyone's hands you know it was um and then within hours the policy had changed and handshakes were off the agenda now and so on um but it's such a difficult job i i used to used to edit a magazine called hospital doctor which was you'll be amazed to hear read by hospital doctors um and i remember then the the uk chief medical officer who was who was retiring described the role as the epicenter of stress and that's just the thing all of the problems come to the, the yeah if there's a, if there's a cmo job you don't want it's chief medical officer if you thought being a uh, chief marketing officer was bad um so it does feel like the coming weeks are going to be such a test the communications ability of the chief medical officer and the sooner they become the primary source of truth then i suspect the better it will be for the public's understanding and look the prime minister scott morrison finally got some good pr with his uh, address to the nation the other day uh particularly around the point where he was almost like the country's disappointed dad where he stood in front and said, was talking about hoarding and he really scolded the nation and was like, stop it. I cannot emphasise this enough. Stop it. And basically told consumers that their behaviour had been appalling and un-Australian and disappointing. People have generally acknowledged that that was a good piece of communication and, and positioned him well as a leader, but I think opinion is split on whether that was actually good communication or whether we're just used to bad communication from him. So now our standards are so low that he's hit the bare minimum. And I suspect your interpretation of that will depend on where you sit on the political spectrum. But I think everybody agrees it's better than he did throughout the bushfires. And it it did strike a chord with people. I'm not sure it's enough to stop people buying toilet paper and lining up at supermarkets, but at least it's yeah. a response dance. Yeah, and look, and that consumer psychology is interesting, isn't it? You know, as, as you know, I had a very consumer psychologist and Thinkabell co-founder wrote a piece for us in which he sort of attempted to explain some of the psychology of the toilet roll hoarding, but he also predicted that it would be over by Friday, which has obviously come and gone. But, yeah, I, I found myself thinking, you know, the, the consumer psychology, this is the very same population that was so generous and supportive and gave what they can and a little bit more during the bushfires you know people dug deep into their pockets they made donations they they risked their lives with the you know volunteer firefighters etc broadly these are the same people who have been taking more than they need off the shelves in supermarkets and there's 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 a psychological reason they weren't good people two months ago and now they're bad people some something else is different about what the triggers are for that consumer behavior and i suspect that as the government thinks about behavior change and that should probably be one of the the the, the you know one of those aspects of the communications is is what's what's different what levers need to be pulled to help people understand that um when when you're getting cross because there's nothing on the shelves and when it comes you grab two and just in case when actually you really only need one right now you're part of the problem and that just feels like the penny hasn't dropped in the psychology of that 
I think as well it comes back to that communication and that understanding and I think part of the problem with the COVID-19 communication is for too many people it's still a distant problem. What the bushfires had in their favour, devastating as they were, were that hugely powerful imagery of distraught people, destroyed homes, uh, displaced wildlife. At the moment in Australia, yes, people have died and, yes, that's horrific and, yes, people are sick and, yes, businesses are struggling. There hasn't been that same galvanising imagery yet for us to go, holy shit, this is tragic and we need to step up. For so many people, it's still, you know, we've seen media reports calling it a China virus or this very foreign problem. Until it hits home, I think people will be a bit more selfish and and out for themselves because they don't think it's going to affect them in the way the bushfires affected the nation. So they just want to get their pasta and toilet paper and protect themselves. So we need something powerful. But hopefully we can have that before we sort of have mass death and huge strain on our hospital system. Look, books in the future are going to be written about the psychology of what's been going on. You know, um, I think we've all (laughs) we've all been living through a few weeks we never expected to live through. Um, Mm. We'll be back next week with the next Umbrella cast, uh, slightly more structured. Maybe. I quite like seeing uh, seeing you float float above a bridge and and just rolling rolling with things as as my phone rings and Zoe takes screenshots. But if you want more structure, I guess we can give that a go too. Well, the, there's there's plenty of ways of giving us feedback, and in the end, our audience speaks. So uh, so yes, hey, jump onto iTunes and give us a rating, write a review, tell us. Give us a, a, a give us a level of between one and ten of how self indulgent you'd like us to be. <laughs> um, but for uh, for now, um, if you're looking to amuse yourself at your desks, don't forget Mumbrella Pro. Um, I believe we still do seven day free trials. I'm sure we, we do. do. You're nodding, so that's a great way for. There's an awful lot of great catch up content back from the days when we used to do events in front of people one day those days will return i'm sure but uh uh for this week uh thank you very much uh, zoe for pressing all of the buttons thank you and thank you viv for your contribution thanks for joining me from san francisco tim toodle pep. Mm-hmm.